How's it, everyone? Welcome to Let's Talk Digital with me, Audrey Naidu. On this podcast, you will find uniquely South African digital content brought to you from a local perspective across the industry. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Digital with me, Audrey Naidu. I hope you are all well and in good health and good spirits during this time. I thought we could do with a dose of inspiration with this week's episode. So we are definitely in for a treat with today's guest joining us all the way from San Francisco. She is the founder and general partner of Street Global Venture Capital Firm based at the heart of Silicon Valley. A self-made multi-industry entrepreneur and techpreneur. We will be talking about her journey to Silicon Valley and her advice to South African entrepreneurs in surviving and thriving during this economic downtime. Let's give a warm welcome to Alicia Selberg. Alicia, welcome to the podcast. It is great to have you join us. Thank you very much for hosting me. It's an honor to be joining you, especially uh, given you know, where I come from and I am South African. And given the fact that your bank holds a very special place in my heart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're going to have an opportunity to tell our listeners about which bank card you <laughs> first had. Firstly, thank you for reaching out to me on LinkedIn. I was truly humbled and overjoyed to know that you are homebrewed, proudly South African. Um, I watched your TED Talk step up and take flight and it was an inspiring story and I know it all started with you with wanting pink roller skates. Do you want to tell our listeners how you ended up getting your roller skates? Well, thank, thank you again. And um, again, EBSA plays a big role in that story because uh, my dad had a pharmacy in Bosman Street in Pretoria. and. Um, I went to nursery school and all the kids had roller skates and as you all probably know now from uh, the TED talk, I couldn't afford them. And I used to go regularly to the bank on behalf of my dad's pharmacy and I was a kid, I was probably like three or four years old so it's pretty ironic how I learned about the value of money so early on. And being probably five years old at the time, I was like, okay, uh, I want these things, I can't afford these things, so what am I going to do? And the easiest thing for me to do was to raid everyone and use closets and, um, you know, all the stuff they had and um, start selling it. So I stood outside my dad's pharmacy and I found myself the biggest bell I'd ever found in my life because my dad um, sold stuff in his windows and I could barely hold up the spell. And I made a little cardboard sign and I started screaming my heart out and convincing people to, to buy what I was selling. And I used every ounce of charm I had. And I had no idea that this was like guerrilla marketing and that I just went for it. And by the end of the day, I had this margarine um, container and it was green and yellow. I'm sure lots of South Africans have seen it in pick and pay in that. And by the end of the day, I had enough coins and enough notes to get my 20 rand to go and buy the pink roller skates in Menland Park Shopping Center at the Hyperama. And for me, that was a moment of enlightenment because I was like, anything is possible after this. And um, I never wore those roller skates. Everyone laughs. They are still in South Africa, never been worn to this day. And um, a lot of people ask me about them, but it's been an incredible journey because I think every entrepreneur in the world, everyone in the world has wanted something from a very young age and set their mind to getting it and proven to themselves what they're capable as a result of accomplishing a goal very early on in life. And that becomes a foundation for success, I believe. 
and something that we can tap into throughout our lives to build our confidence. And it's just been the beginning of an incredible, incredible journey. And I'm really grateful it worked out the way it did with those roller skates. Yeah, definitely a stepping stone for you to actually identify yourself as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. And I think as South Africans, we don't give ourselves enough credit how entrepreneurial we really are. And so it took, um, I was going to get a job uh, when I was still in South Africa. I was obsessed with lecturing maths and finance and being an entrepreneur and giving back. And I had to take this one test um, to prove that I could lecture finance to people working at R&B and that. And it was, um, they wanted to see like my skills and, you know, my strengths and weaknesses. And at the time I was taking my actuarial board exams and it came back that I was an, on, my, my two strengths were entrepreneur and researcher. And at the time I was like, I was so heavily into the actuarial science stuff, you know, taking all these board exams and all these things. And entrepreneurship was always something that I leaned on, but I, I, I thought I belonged in the corporate world. And I wanted to be in the corporate world, you know, like my family, everyone was like, you're going to get a really good job. You can run an insurance company. You know, I had a lot of opportunities like that. And the idea that came back that you, you are born and bred an entrepreneur it's in your blood. It was hard to make peace with. And it was ironic because it's the one thing I love most in the world. And of course, the research, educating entrepreneurs, empowering people to build the best businesses they can. But um, it's been a, a journey of self-discovery that I believe a lot of South Africans um, go through in terms of um, seeing how talented they are as entrepreneurs and taking those risks, even when it's very hard, especially at times like this. And um, as a female entrepreneur, what challenges did you experience along the way? I'm sure it wasn't easy for you. Wow. Um, wow, 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 wow. That's an interesting question. Um, I think we all need to start talking more about this. Um, I was very lucky in South Africa because um, I built businesses when I was young, outside of my tutoring business, which was very successful. But I built businesses with my brother, which I was very lucky about. And then I went to on to build businesses with my husband as well. So I never realized how much help there, there was in doing it that way. There were also a lot of difficulties. Um, but building a venture capital firm by myself in Silicon Valley, having built a lot of companies in that, um, I've experienced difficulties that I never even imagined possible, which is good in the sense that it enables me to help other women. And it helps, you know, minorities in that. I'm a champion for diversity and for people to, you know, like to, to equal the playing field. But that being said, I have experienced, wow, some interesting stuff. Just two days ago, I had a stalker again from Poland. And he managed to get through every single means of communication. So when I blocked him via email, he found a way to text me. When I blocked via text, he found another way to get through to me. And it was insane that as a woman, uh, trying to do your job, trying to inspire people, trying to create change, you get these random messages and they're very violating. Often they're very scary. The bulk of people behave very, very well. But my heart and my hat goes off to women who are building companies. I'm very involved in entrepreneurship groups in South Africa. And um, I've set up quite, like thousands of WhatsApp groups around the world. And one of the ones I'm most proud of is one of the ones for South African businesswomen. And I just watch them looking after each other, building each other up, doing business with one another, building their confidence, helping each other navigate the difficulties of building companies. It's extremely inspiring because you need that support network. As anyone trying to do anything on a big scale, you need to be protected. You need to be supported. You need to be encouraged, especially when you run into, whether it's glass ceilings, whatever you may call it. But 
they are challenges and you need to not run from them. You need to run toward them, but you need to run with your eyes wide open. Mm, I think with COVID now, we have a lot of entrepreneurs in South Africa struggling for funding. And I know that you are busy with a whole lot of initiatives to support uh, startup businesses. Can you maybe speak to our listeners about some of the, the initiatives you're busy with? Absolutely, absolutely. So um, when I started out on this journey, when I was in South Africa, I was always involved in entrepreneurship initiatives, whether it was Raymond Ackerman Academy, whether it was Orchard, whatever it was, I had this obsession with helping build companies and helping others build companies. And I invested in a ton of stuff. At the time, I always say to Americans, we never called ourselves angel investors. We never called ourselves investors. We called ourselves entrepreneurs helping other entrepreneurs. You know, like I, I was heavily involved in a platform we built called SA Design Hub, which was supporting um, young African artists, you know, creatives to gain global exposure. I landed up buying more art than anyone I knew. Like I've got South African art all over my apartment here in San Francisco. So it's been a journey in terms of always helping South African entrepreneurs to get a leg up, to help them succeed. I've seen the strengths and weaknesses within the ecosystem. This was long before Corona in terms of where we can improve, where we can grow and where our skills really lie. So um, I've invested in a lot of South African companies. We built an accelerator in South Africa a very long time ago. Um, some of those companies have landed up doing very well um, here in, in the US, in the UK, had exits and something we're very proud of. Um, that took me on this journey in terms of investing in startups on a global scale. That's what created the, the opportunity with the radio show and my UN woman role, where I was always backing companies, uh, especially from South Africa, Africa, the emerging markets. Now it's globally. But um, this COVID thing has really opened things up in terms of seeing the quality of companies out there that need funding that will often die if they don't get the funding they need. And it. It's very scary for many entrepreneurs. So I host something called Office Hours where entrepreneurs pitch me. And um, in a very short period of time, we get through a lot about their business and see again where the strengths, the weaknesses are, where the opportunities are for the business to grow and ultimately can I help them get funding. And um, that's scaled up and scaled up. So aside from my investing work, which is you know traditional venture capital, where we take funding um, from limited partners and we invest in those companies, uh, now it's at a point where I'm putting together an accelerator backed by a billionaire here in Silicon Valley, a very famous billionaire. And uh, that will enable me to invest in startups at scale. Um, so a lot of South African companies that would be looking to solve very big, hard problems. And we can dig deep into what are big, hard problems later. But South African talent, when it comes to science, when it comes to technology, when it comes to medicine, uh, we all know most famous entrepreneur on earth who's very close by to Elon Musk is South African and we can see how he just goes off the industry off the industry and builds these huge extremely valuable companies we all know that that talent is in South Africa so I'm looking to find that talent I'm looking to help build that talent I'm looking to invest in that talent and ultimately make sure that that talent succeeds supply them with the right resources, the right partnerships. I work hands-on with my portfolio companies. So I get my hands dirty versus a lot of investors, you know, saying they get their hands dirty. It's a very stressful job being an investor where you actually 
care deeply about the entrepreneur's well-being and the success of the company. And um, that's just so it's the accelerator. It's the um, fund work. It's the investing work. Uh, my radio show, uh, which became very, very big globally, is coming back again with a lot of backing here from Silicon Valley, which will enable a lot of entrepreneurs to get global exposure. Because again, like happened in the past, they'll be able to pitch their companies and get the attention of the right investors, the right backing. I've also got a book coming out, which is um, showcasing the most, most important things that Silicon Valley looks for when it comes to companies, having lived this journey and experienced what it's like to, to grow into, what it's, into this. So where I was in South Africa, what I had to learn, a lot of lessons, a lot of mistakes made, all of these things are there to help equip entrepreneurs in South Africa, Africa, um, around the globe to become the very best entrepreneurs um, they can be. And entrepreneurs can reach out to me on LinkedIn, via my newsletter, so that they can connect and they can learn. Because there were a lot of people that helped me along this way, a lot of people that backed me. And I feel like if there's one time to give back, it's now. Um, there's nothing worse than hearing some of the news coming out from South Africa about businesses being so scared. Um, you know, like just really good quality small businesses that deserve to succeed. So I'm, I'm doing my part to help. Yeah, I think you're doing more than your part, which, which actually gives uh, South Africans some bit of hope that, you know, there's a perception that Silicon Valley won't actually uh, look at third world countries. But I see you doing a lot of work in terms of bridging the gap, not only in South Africa, but also in Africa. Um, so I was watching your talk in Ghana where you mentioned um, something called the third wave revolution. Do you want to tell us more about that? Absolutely. And I think it taps into a lot of what you just talked about. So uh, when I started this journey, um, really the active side of investing, I remember standing, I got this fellowship, which was a really big honor. Um, people like uh, Madeleine Albright and Bill Gates' dad, Annette, um, they were part of the selection committee and they chose um, two of the most um, ambitious, I would say, young Africans who, who look to change the continent for the better. And um, I was in Kenya at the time and I was on a panel with ministers and, and people said to me, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to invest in a hundred companies. And it, it was about equaling the, the, the playing field in the sense that I'd seen South African companies, I'd seen the caliber of people I saw the talent and I was like, this is crazy. I've done enough research. I've built enough to know that there's no way we can't jumpstart things and not be left behind. And as far as this third wave revolution goes, it's accelerating things to kind of get ahead and basically give ourselves the opportunities to build, create, and take the continent forward take South Africa forward. Like often people say to me, I always hear the negatives, you know, like in terms of when I sit on panels, like you talk about Uganda, Ghana, and those panels I sat on in London was presenting to those ministers. And I get a lot of negative feedback. You know, people say to me, you only focus on the positive when it comes to South Africa or Africa. You never talk about the negatives. And I get frustrated because I'm like, I'm talking to a group of people who know what the negatives are. You and I having this conversation, we don't need to delve into the negatives. We know what our baseline is, but we also know what the positives are. We know that we can create extraordinary companies if we use the talent that we have, the system of education that we have available to us. You can still get a world-class education at South African universities, and you're not going to be in debt for the next 20 years. 
people don't realize the value of that. They don't realize that you could land up with a world-class PhD in computer science and medicine and use those skills to build a world-class company because you're addressing a problem that you're seeing in front of your eyes that is a big enough problem globally. And you could get a lot of funding for that and you could engage with the right investors. And you can create that kind of scalability where the right investors are saying, hey, this is unbelievable. Like you see Zipline in Rwanda and those places. Zipline started as a crazy idea that no one believed in. I invested in a South African drone startup company. When people said to me, are you mad? You're investing in drone startups in Africa. I was like, and what do you think our future looks like? I invested in autonomous tractors. And I got a ton of negative feedback. People were like, how can you? How can you invest in autonomous tractors? You're going to wipe out African jobs. I'm like, I want Africans to be building cool tech companies. Agritech, all these things that can ultimately make us competitive globally. I don't want people walking across fields, picking apples from trees. We are so talented. The idea that you can go online, you can learn to code, you can do the stuff, you can build a company, even during times like this. You can use this time extremely valuably to create something very valuable that will not cost you a lot of money. And it could be the greatest time in your life because you could turn back and say, wow, I never had a business or my business wasn't as optimized for a global economy. And now I'm actually competing on a global stage in terms of building a company. I'm doing something valuable. I'm getting revenue. I'm supporting my community. That's the third wave, looking around you and saying, you know what? No one's going to do this for me. This entitlement thing, you see it globally. Instead of saying, what, is, what are you going to do for me? Saying, what am I going to do it for myself? And get on with it, skill yourself up, and actually become a global player. I think you have successfully built a, a bridge between global communities, um, for example, government, VC partners, businesses, and I see you've done it in 55 countries. So how do you go about collaborating and interacting at so many different levels? It's been an interesting journey. Again, I've had to find my own way through doing this stuff. A lot of people thought it couldn't be done. Often I'd interact with entrepreneurs and um, like I, I have a home in London as well. And I do a lot of government work when I'm in London. And people are like, you can't interact with governments. Governments don't listen. Governments never listen. They're so negative. They just, and recently I spoke at the Uganda UK Trade and Investment Forum. And it was fascinating because um, there were so many ministers there. And um, there was somehow, I came onto the concept of fintech and the ministers were so open to hearing about fintech opportunities, fintech startups. What do they need to do to, you know, to gear things up, to fund the startups? Because they, they realized that a lot of very high quality companies that are coming out of Uganda are fintech companies. And as far as Silicon Valley goes, fintech companies are always very well responded to. Um, you can see it. I can talk more about it in terms of South Africa and in terms of the opportunities in South Africa when it comes to fintech and suretech and those things. But when it comes to governments, I think, I've built a relationship of trust with my entrepreneurs where as a result of my UN role, as a result of my global radio show where I self-funded the entire thing and I did it on purpose. It was long before uh, people couldn't trust the media. So because I self-funded it, I could put on a panel of global thought leaders who often had very contradictory perspectives. So I had people from the government, people from uh, institutional backgrounds, entrepreneurs, and people would say to me before the show, um, Hey, like, is it okay if I say this about blockchain? Is it okay if I say this? Is it okay if I say this? I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to get into trouble. And I was like, I've created a level playing field. As long as your, your opinion is fact-based, 
you can say whatever you like. And as a result of that, it created this level of trust and transparency where I deal a lot with ministers and I engage with the ministers and say, well, this is how the entrepreneurs feel. They feel you're not listening. They feel you're not funding this. They feel like you're not taking this seriously enough. As a result of that, I've become a conduit between uh, government, startups, big business, because everyone knows my ultimate aim is to make things better. This concept of break it and say sorry later, it doesn't work. You have to respect that boundaries. You have to respect big corporations. I remember when we were building one of our companies, we were in South Africa, we came to ABSA. We were like, we want to do business with you. Will you talk to us? Senior executives at ABSA were meeting with us. They liked the technology. They wanted to partner with us. They gave us opportunities. They wanted to see the technology in the field. Now, if you run around trying to always break those partnerships with corporations, with governments, and that you get nothing. And as a startup, it's not a smart thing to do. You need those relationships. You need that scalability. You need those levels of trust to ultimately create success. And so for me, it's been always saying, how can everyone win? Um, how can I add value? How can I embed trust? How can I be transparent, talk about my mistakes, um, and just keep, just keep building forward? Like I have relationships with many Asian governments. Again, um, I traveled to Asia when I was 10 years old. I was building companies with my brother as a means of survival in South Africa. I had no idea what I was doing at the time. I was like climbing on airplanes. My mother was looking after me. We were going there. My brother was like, okay, you're going to bring this stock back, this stock back, this stock back. We were hacking stuff together to make it work, bringing it back to South Africa. I was ordering containers, 10, 11 years old. If I tell you how that helped me when it came to building government relationships now, some of my startups are some of the fastest growing startups in Asia. When those companies need to enter different Asian markets, because of what I did when I was so young, I have the ability to engage with governments. I go to senior members of the government and I'm like, this is what my company is trying to do. This is how the, the value they can add to partners in your country. Can you please look in your ecosystem and see who would be the perfect partners for this company to come into your country? Can we make this a win-win situation for all of us? And it works extremely well, but it's taken a lifetime to build those relationships and to keep adding value to them so that when the right startup needs that door open for them, it's there for them. Basically, what you're saying is that very often our worldviews limit our potential to succeed. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. If, if there's one thing I can say to all South Africans, it's that Read as much as you possibly can. Spend as much time on the internet researching, listening to valuable content, leveling up, stepping up, growing. I know people love spending time on social media, but it's not going to help make you into Elon Musk. Like we often disregard how much we actually have in South Africa. And you look around and, you know, I had a very, very hard time growing up. Like when my dad died, things were brutal absolutely brutal i remember sleeping on the floor of our family shop it was brutal and very survivalistic and there were times in which i was like i'm never going to make anything on my life and it was only through mentors and just keep i just kept putting more and more and more information into my head but my one regret is that i never even put more information i never level, leveled up more like i think about elon musk when he was 12 years old sitting in pretoria and I grew up in Pretoria and he was selling his first company and I was like super nearby to, you know, where he was growing up. And that mindset is what's going to set South Africans up for success. The internet has leveled the playing field. I can, I can share tons of resources. 
all you need to do is you need to learn to code and not make excuses, not say, well, I don't know how to code. I'm not technical enough. I'm not mathematical enough. None of those things are going to stand you in good stead. And then you're going to say, what problem frustrates me? Can, can I do something more solving this problem? Will people pay me for this problem? And companies, you could start companies for a thousand rand today and people say it's not possible. Trust me, it is possible. But you have to overcome your negative mindset because I think that's the biggest problem. Surrounding yourself with people that inspire you. And when people say you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, often it doesn't have to be in your physical environment. I, I recently got pitched by a startup that does competitions for extraordinary young people in high school. And it sounds so crazy, but finding a peer group where you can, you can constantly see how am I growing? How am I expanding my knowledge? How am I competing on a global scale? These kinds of platforms are the platforms that the best recruiters in the world, like Google, like Facebook, like all those companies are looking at these platforms, the best universities in the world. They're looking to see, hey, who should we give scholarships to? Contrary to popular belief, there is a ton of money available for Africans who are world-class. And taking advantage of those opportunities, we can only, the only people who are stopping us is ourselves. And so just going for it, that's the key to success. I really like what you said. The internet has leveled the playing field. Uh, and I think especially for young people, I mean, this, this opens up a world of opportunity for young people. Instead of just finding jobs and just one skill, they can open up themselves to so many diverse opportunities across the world. What advice would you give to them? Again, researching, reading, creating goals objective goals that you can measure often those goals um i think a lot of young people focus on immediate goals versus long-term goals so something as ridiculous as creating a dream board it sounds crazy but i was just you know i was just reading 50 cents latest book i hustle harder hustle smarter and it's an excellent book and i think a lot of young people in south africa should read it because it talks about his evolution of you know being this very famous celebrity to becoming you know, a different version of celebrity where he's contributing so much to society in that. And he was talking about the power of a dream board and taking, taking to heart who you want to become. Who do you want to be in 20 years, 30 years? And I know Jeff Bezos, a lot, in Silicon Valley, people spend a lot of time thinking about um, when you're 80 years old, what goals do, do you want to look back on and say, I accomplished those things? What things do you not want to regret? And Printing pictures out from the internet and saying, okay, from my value perspective, this is what I want to be in terms of my values. I want to have integrity. I want to be trusted by people around me. Um, these are places I want to travel to. These are skills I want to learn. Um, these are people I want to meet. These are character traits that I want to embed because this will help make me world-class in what I do. All these types of things set you up for success. I remember when I read um, a, a book by the guys that found the tech stars and it was a long time ago and I was sitting in South Africa and I was like, Hey, I'm world-class. The people I work with are world-class. And it was a moment of, you know what? I'm going to actually play on, on a global playing field and I'm going to level up until I become world-class in what I do. And I was scared half to death, but it was that research and it was that learning and it was that, not getting down by my personal current circumstances. Like I've spent a lot of time in Alex. I've spent a lot of time in Soweto. I've taken the, the taxis. Yes, people will laugh for a very, very long time in South Africa. 
I took taxis. And it was the only means of getting around. And I was really grateful when I stood on the side of the road and stuck my finger up because that taxi came and it got me to my job. But the reason that I kept on growing was because I knew that the only way forward was to embed interesting, useful information and open my mind. Doing visualizations, doing meditations, meditating on my future, as crazy as these things may sound, the only person that can do this for you is you doing it for yourself and being brave. So if there's someone out there that you really are inspired by, say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to sit down and no one needs to be aware of this except me. And I'm going to write a letter to that person and write that letter. And then you're going to say to yourself, well, how do I get this letter to this person? Well, if you look hard enough and you put enough research in, by and large, you will find that person. I guarantee you, because I've done this stuff. I've reached out to some of the most powerful people in the world. And the funny thing is, those people are really cool people. And most people are not brave enough to actually reach out to those people. So reaching out to those people and saying, you know what? I'm South African. I'm trying to make my way in the world. This and this and this and this and this is what I did for myself to become world-class at what I'm doing. This is what I'm trying to achieve. Will you help me? And be brave. Don't be afraid to ask. That's something in South Africa we're shy to do. We're shy to actually say, I want this. Will you help me? And what people don't realize is the best entrepreneurs in the world have the most powerful asks. So putting yourself out there and saying, I value myself. I measure myself by the process, not the outcome. The best investors in the world measure themselves by the process and not the outcome. So, so long as you put the effort in, in yourself, building yourself up, you have succeeded. If that person doesn't come back, you're still better off for doing it, which means you can do something the next time even better because you have the confidence of knowing you are brave enough to reach out to that person because you didn't put so much knowledge in your head. Yeah, I think what you're saying is stay curious, be brave, don't ever give up and keep trying. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Alicia, you describe yourself as an African entrepreneur, a public speaker, an investor, a venture capitalist and a UN woman global champion operating from San Francisco at the heart of Silicon Valley. That is a massive accomplishment, let alone for a female South African entrepreneur. Tell us what drives you to achieve more and be more. Thank you um, for the compliments and thank you for saying such nice stuff. Um, it's been a journey of self-discovery. I think the fact that I often say to people, I was born through hardship. My whole life has been, you know, like, I know what it is like to be poor, to be really poor. And I think almost that I'm lucky in the sense that it, it always is a reminder of what I can go back to. Even though I'm very fortunate, I'm not short of anything today and I can almost do anything I want. Um, that's come through hard work and perseverance. It never, I'll never forget how difficult times were. I'll never forget when my dad died and we were terrified. We thought we'd lose our house. We thought we'd lose our family business. We thought we wouldn't eat. I was on a scholarship at school. I never knew how we'd pay my school fees. I wore secondhand clothes for school. Um, it was hard. It was brutal. And you don't forget that stuff. And I think that has constantly driven me. I think a lot of very, very successful people here in Silicon Valley are driven by pain rather than pleasure. I can admit that I think I'm driven by pain in the sense that I constantly want to get better. I constantly want to move forward. I constantly want to do more. 
I want to create more. I want to leave a legacy. I think that's an important thing in the sense that my late father was a pretty extraordinary person and South Africa was very, very good to him. Um, they came as immigrants with nothing but the clothes on their backs from Eastern Europe and South Africa provided a safe home for them. And so I think the idea that um, I would leave the world a better place and I do that by means of entrepreneurship through being able to acquire skills and um, use those skills to equip a generation of young entrepreneurs and ultimately those people will affect change on a global scale. That's extremely important to me. I think it's a mission which keeps me going. I think if I, you know, like here in Silicon Valley, we talk about a mercenary approach to entrepreneurship versus a missionary approach. Um, and we always talk about the missionaries always win. If I was doing it purely for the money, I think there's nothing wrong with doing it purely for the money. I know a lot of people that have built a lot of companies very quickly, sold those companies. I know tons of people that built a company and just wanted acquired very quickly by Google or Facebook and they exit for like $50 million or something and build another one, another one, another one. But I feel like if I did it purely for the money, um, I would burn out. But the idea that there's always more to do, there's more to grow. Um, I love learning from the world's best and applying that. Like I was listening to Tim Ferriss. He's someone I admire greatly. And he was talking about the concept of, I like to learn something once and apply it for life. That's super important to me, whatever it is. So um, I take great heed in learning from the world's smartest investors. I was at Harvard um, recently at like an investment program with the world's top investors. And it was one thing always learning from them by books and those things. It was another thing hanging out. And then people were comparing me to some of the investors I was, you know, hanging out with. I was like, wow, that's a huge accomplishment. Like, I'm really, really, really honored. But I think that sense of humility also and that sense of, wow, I know what it's like for many people out there. Empathy is very important. And I know how important it is to contribute back. I, I remember standing in pick and pay um, when the rand fell through the floor once upon a time. And I watched the difficulty so many South Africans were experiencing. And it's made me a better investor. Like I made a bunch of investments in September last year. I invested in seven new companies and all my companies are doing extremely well during Corona because um, I think I've invested in very high quality entrepreneurs trying to solve massive problems. And a lot of investors here have said to me, well, how did you, how did you know that you'd invest in these companies and they, you know, they weather Corona so well. And I was like, we grew up in South Africa. We know what it's like to live with fear of the unknown. We know what it's like to not know what tomorrow holds. If the rand falls, there's all problems we deal with. And that makes you a better entrepreneur. It makes you a better investor. And time and again, that's what I keep wanting to say to entrepreneurs in South Africa. You are resilient. You are more resilient than you even imagine. I wouldn't be able to do what I do here if it wasn't for the training I got in South Africa, you need to use that to your advantage. I was actually reading up, um, trying to prepare for our interview, and I came across these two business models for, for startup businesses, and maybe you can give us some insight into it. And, and the question that I got was, are you a unicorn or a zebra business entity? That always <laughs> makes me laugh, because I've been on a personal journey of self-discovery. So I think there are many, many, many entrepreneurs out there that dream of holding unicorns. And the media paints it as being very, very glamorous, you know, just super glamorous. And it's the only way. And, you know, everyone, if they, if they don't know, building unicorn means um, 
a billion dollar plus valuation of your company. And if you're not aware, there's a very systematized approach to getting to that billion dollar valuation involving achieving revenue metrics and achieving a whole bunch of milestones along the way. It's a very systematized approach. And as um, you learn more about my accelerator and that, that the stuff I'm working on to help equip entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs from South Africa will help be able to understand this in detail. And if they choose to go the unicorn route, then they will understand what they're signing themselves up for because we can talk about that. That's a journey upon itself. And then you get zebras and comes with different terms in that. But zebras are businesses, many businesses in South Africa, many of the entrepreneurs I've mentored in South Africa and coached are building zebra businesses. And those are solid businesses that deliver good revenues that will keep on growing at a normal rate without uh, VC funding. So you're not giving away equity in your company. And they help contribute to your family, your community, society. They give you, a, they can give you a very good lifestyle and you can do very, very nicely out of those companies um, for very long. No one has publicized the power of a zebra style business. And on my journey, um, when I started this, as I say, it was all about investing in and building unicorns. I'm extremely lucky. I've invested in some very, very good companies. Uh, my co-founder Street Global has invested in seven unicorns. And so my piece of advice when it comes to South African entrepreneurs is don't do yourselves a disservice. Don't only go after unicorns because it looks glamorous on the internet. So what lands up happening is um, people try for VC funding, like say, say South African entrepreneurs, and then purely because you haven't been exposed to how venture capital in Silicon Valley works, and it's very unique. I've lived in New York, I've lived on the East Coast, I've lived in Washington, D.C., I lived in London, I lived all over the world. And Silicon Valley venture capital is very, very different to anywhere else in the world. And so what will happen in South Africa is an entrepreneur will go online and they'll pitch for VC funding or they'll pitch many VCs for funding and they won't get the funding and then they'll feel disheartened and they'll be like, oh my word, I'm a failure, I'm useless, I can't build a company. And they'll do a lot of damage to their own self-esteem when they don't realize it's not them, it's just they don't understand a very systematized system. What they could be doing is they could be spending their time building their business in a very solid, structured manner, which, if they keep going on that route, may very well land up helping them take VC funding because they've built something valuable enough. But if they choose not to take VC funding, that's also okay. They own their company. They haven't given away equity. They haven't given away board seats. They haven't got all these people telling them how they have to run their business, governance, all these things that are taken extremely seriously when it comes to VC funded companies because the aim of these companies is ultimately to go public. You have those options available to you in building a zebra style business. And there is no shame whatsoever in building one of these businesses it's something people need to learn you should be extremely proud if you build a solid company doing great revenues because there are many 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 investors including in america who'd be happy to give you money if your business is providing a service that people are willing to pay for and your revenues are solid and predictable go for it you can always send me companies you can always reach out to me you build a solid south african business doing great work investors will want to give you money for it. The question is, will you want to sell a part of your company because you're doing such a great job? Mm, and, and Alicia, who would you say are some of the good example of zebra companies? 
there's so many in South Africa. Like it sounds crazy, but some of the most solid companies in South Africa that no one's even heard of. I have friends like my husband's brother is a very successful entrepreneur in South Africa. He set things up in a way that investors here envy. He's got a big business. He doesn't work that hard because he's a smart entrepreneur. He does the stuff that he's meant to do. He's never taken a cent of external funding. Investors here would give him money in a heartbeat. And his attitude is, why should I? I've got a business in Norwood. It's doing extremely well. He's bought real estate. He's, set, he's looked after his family. He's not stressing. He's not having a panic attack that his investors are going to pull the rug out from under him. That's reality. And so you can look around you as South African entrepreneurs and say, who's built a solid business? Who's saving money because they've built a really good business? Who is someone I admire solving a big problem? Have they got customers overseas? What are they doing that's interesting? Look around you. There are more businesses in South Africa than you can actually think of that are building high quality zebra businesses and they're not getting all the publicity. They're not getting all the media. There's a book in, in the US and it's an older book. And I read it when I was still living in South Africa called The Millionaire Next Door. And it's about all these people that you've never heard of, that you probably will never heard of, that basically have built businesses that have made them millionaires. And that's how you need to think about it. You need to not look beyond the glamour. A lot of the stuff on Instagram, on TechCrunch, you know, all these tech platforms, a lot of people mean very well, but a lot of pain gets created out of it because people are like, oh my God, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm not succeeding well enough. I'm not doing enough. I don't have enough attention. Uh, that's not reality. It's a story that's being sold sometimes, a lot of the time to inspire people, but also because someone paid to have that media attention given to them because it helps their build their company. I'm not saying don't pay for PR, but if you're doing great work, people will give you free media attention. I can assure you. My entrepreneurs that have been in the New York Times and have been in global, global Forbes, Fortune, and that, they never paid to be on those platforms. They put their heads down and they built valuable companies and media came to talk to them. And they chose to engage with the media because it suited them. And it suited building their companies. It gave them more visibility. But don't, don't believe what the media says. And Alicia, you, I mean, you mentioned from, from everything that I've heard, what you said is, is you do what you love and you love what you do. Um, what do you do for fun? I love reading. Like, I haven't, like I'm obsessed with reading. I was recently saying to my husband that I think if anything in the world, I can't stop doing it's reading. Like I buy audible books. Like you cannot possibly imagine how many books I read. I try to read, read very different types of books as well. So I know at the moment for South Africans on audible for kids who are not at school, they have free audible books and a whole library of free audible books. And you can just go and listen to them. And I think everybody should do it because there are a lot of books there that you would usually pay for as adults that you can just listen to. And so, um, I love reading, especially in areas like art and culture and those things, because, you know, I grew up in South Africa where I was exposed to the arts and culture. I remember going to Monte Casino and watching theater and supporting um, those types of initiatives. And I was very involved in art in South Africa. Still have an absolute love of art. I do yoga. I do meditation. We go for a lot of hikes here in San Francisco, my husband and I. So I do a lot of fun stuff. I do a lot of goal setting stuff. Um, I try to I try to just keep learning in different respects, and I love hosting parties. So, for example, um, I try and host as many varied groups of people as possible. So I'll invite a random group of people. So for Valentine's, I invited a bunch of entrepreneurs, 
and people just kept showing up at my door. And I was like, this is crazy that so many people on Valentine's are showing up my door. And it was a Friday night and it was 11 p.m. And entrepreneurs wanted funding from me. So I was like, okay, instead of pitching me individually, why don't you just pitch everyone in the room? And so you had this huge group of people and they were all entrepreneurs and people got up at 11 p.m. in the night and started pitching their companies and they were getting feedback. And I was seeing different sides of my entrepreneurs where they were like, I, you never explained to me about that. You never explained to me about that. You never explained, tell me more. And they were hardcore, but it was super inspiring because it was this community that I'd created of people. And so wherever I go in the world, I tried to create these communities of people where people that I mentored, like university students in South Africa that I taught 12, 15, 16, 20 years ago, people still reach out to me. Still, People still connect with me. And that's very inspiring to me. Like constantly constantly giving back and constantly helping people grow i don't know why that for me is food for the soul well i think you have a special gift in connecting not only ideas but connecting with people um it's almost like people gravitate towards you i i think i i i'm lucky in the sense that um um I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's something I just do, but it's something I love doing. So I love connecting to people. And they'll often be like, Alicia, why did you connect this? So I was like, I don't know. I just thought it would work. And by some, I don't know, by some amazing chance, it always does work and something incredible comes out of it. So yeah, that's my thing. I don't know. And it gives me great joy to do. It's just kind of like, yeah, my special thing. <laughs> oh, that is absolutely wonderful. Um, in closing, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Hustle hard, hustle smart, be brave, stay curious, as you so wisely said. Don't give up trying. Be like Trevor Noah. Be like Elon Musk. Be like Willow Buerta. Be like Charlize Theron. Be like all of us. You know, we got here through hard work and resilience and not giving up. And I'm sure in each one of our journeys, there's been tons of negative feedback. But you're extraordinary. You're South African. We've been through so much. Just take that chance. Take that leap of faith. You can reach out to me. You can sign up for my newsletter. I try and help as much as I can. You can pitch me, connect with me on LinkedIn. But most importantly, believe in yourself. Build your own self-confidence and just shoot for the stars. Alicia, thank you. You have been absolutely amazing. I am in awe, so inspired. I am definitely going to take some of your advice to heart and reach out to a couple of people that I was hesitant to do so in the past. So thank you so much for making the time today to share your wonderful story with, with our listeners. Thank you for having me. Um, it's my small way of helping at a time where we all need inspiration and I feel closer to South Africa thanks to us doing this together. So when you said you're going to reach out to those people, I'm cheering you on. Let me know how it goes and just stay awesome. Keep doing your important work because you are doing very important work. So thank you for hosting me. Thank you. Bye, Alicia. Thanks for tuning in today. A massive shout out to all my remote listeners. I really value and appreciate your support during this time. Don't forget to follow my Instagram handle, TalkDigitalZA. Send us your feedback. And who knows, you could be featuring on the next one.